Welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. One is a Harvard Business School alum. The other is her son, discussing business, pop culture, family, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Deb and Kev. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. Sitting right there is the boss, the Bruce Springsteen of this podcast. It's my mom, Deb. I like that. I'm Deb. And on guitar, I'm Stephen Van Zant, a.k.a. <gasps> Silvio Dante. I'm her son, Kev, and this is our podcast. I was listening to Bruce Springsteen in the shower, thus the opening. So I have such an affinity for Stephen Van Zandt. How can you I mean, I not be Bruce happy with being the boss? No, so listen, I am so happy with being Bruce, but you know, Stephen Van Zandt, I mean, ugh. I, I love the listen. Here's what I'm going to do. I love the soprano version. For the openings, what I'm going to yeah. do is I'm going to, in my brain, yeah. take who I would normally give to you. And give to and you. And I'm going to give to me, okay. and I'm still going to watch you complain <laughs> about it. Okay, listen, I am more than happy. Are you? Maybe I just want all you the You want to be the guy basket. with the headscarf? I don't want to be the guy. So I wasn't going to go there and say- But that's who I am. I'm Stephen Van I want to be the cool Zandt. guy in jeans. I want to be the cool guy. I in have a jeans. headscarf, yeah, yeah, and I look yeah. like I should have a thick Jersey accent, yeah, but I yeah. speak like I'm from Seattle. Yeah, no, no, no. I know that's weird. Okay, I mean, and I mean, let's be honest. He had bad hair in The Sopranos too. Well, listen, I love a good pompadour, <laughs> yeah, so I was, refuse to say that his mm, hair was bad. It was pretty slicked. Deb, he was in the mafia. That's what you do. You slick your big pompadour back, even. In today's world? Him and Polly Walnuts. Polly Walnuts, yeah. I could have said I was Polly Walnuts and Dad would have been like, oh, Uncle Aww, Walt. Uncle Walt. That's what I use. <laughs> Listen, Polly looks so much like my Uncle Walt. Minus the murderous rage. Well, because Uncle Walt was a pastor. Right. I mean, we don't call him Polly the pastor. We right? don't call him Polly the pastor and we don't call Uncle Walt, Uncle Walt <laughs> no, the Walt murderer. Was, yeah, we don't. We don't that. do that. We don't do that. On today's show, uh, we are going to get into the why. Why is Russia waging war against the Ukraine, or as Vlad would call it, protection from Western aggression? Are we going to do a good job? Debatable. But this is the question I've been asking. I'm sure it's something all of you listeners have been asking, and I've done the bare minimum to figure out what is happening over in Ukraine. And we will try to avoid crying on this podcast. We will try to avoid crying. We will try to avoid offending people we love and care about, though that could happen. How would we offend them? I don't know. People have such opinions about this stuff, Kevin. It's not an opinion. I'm just, I'm just, uh, Google is void of opinions. Okay. All I'm saying is that I unfollowed two people today because of their opinions. Yeah, but that didn't have anything to do with the war. It had to do with gas. <laughs> it had to do with gas. And we might be related. I'm just saying. <laughs> but before we get into the geopolitical intricacies of what's happening, we have some stories and we have some thank yous. We are nothing if not appreciative on this podcast. Would you say appreciation is the first tenant or the second tenant of this podcast? Oh, first. Or the third? First. What's the second tenant of this podcast? Dinner. Great. So in the hierarchy of the Deb and Kev podcast, I don't disagree. Appreciation. Yeah. Dinner. Yeah. Third might be education. Entertainment. Entertainment. An E-word. An E-word. Entertainment. Fourth might be education. Enlightenment. And Another somewhere E-word. down below is facts. 
Right. I, I would see, say 27th tenet is facts. I feel like when you say education, we're getting close to facts. I know it's an E and an F, but I could put some other E words in there to get education. How about this one? Facts. Okay. Subjective education. Oh, there you go. Appreciation. Uh-huh. Dinner. Yeah. Subjective education. Mm-hmm. Entertainment. Mm-hmm. The 27th is facts. Perfect. I love it. And because we have clearly laid out our pillars, our tenants, our success points of how we want this podcast to go. When we hit milestones, we open these microphones and we first talk about Bruce Springsteen and his band. The important stuff. And then secondly, we say, thank you to every single person who listens to this podcast, who has downloaded this podcast, who has shared this podcast with their friends. Because it was about six weeks ago, we said we've had our largest downloads up to date. And we just passed that by almost double. Oh, my gosh. So, hey, seriously, big thank you. I can't say thank you with wanting to laugh a little bit. I don't know why anybody listens to us. But here's the thing. This is what I mean. I say this all the time. People are probably get sick of it. I know I do. This is if you are literally sitting at our kitchen table Uh or if you go on a Diet Coke run, which people will understand if they've listened long enough that during... COVID, Kevin and our, our our thing, our deal to get out of the house yep. was to go get a Diet Coke through the drive-in. Oh, yeah. Go to McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Only a buck. Okay. Yep. And it then we would take a drive, right? I mean, it would be our chit-chat We in the explored car. the ins and outs, the neighborhoods, the suburbs, the wild lands of the greater northern Nevada area while trapped in our car. So the podcast is representative of the conversations in our car. And the conversations at our dinner table, which yep. have been going on forever. 37 years almost. <laughs> Quite a while. And because he won't move out. And uh, listen, if that entertains people and makes them happy, then I'm all about it because, frankly, those are my people. Do you know who I'm excited for? Who? I'm excited for the people who said they were day one listeners. This is why you listen to a podcast that's brand new. You get to say, I remember when. Yeah. I remember when it was Deb and Kev starting their podcast talking about their office and talking way too long about their office. <laughs> or when Deb just sat there and groaned because we had to I had to use it in a sentence. Right. right? I mean You yeah. are the people who now get to look at this new wave of people. And I say it's a wave because if you would have told me when we started this we'd get anywhere near fifteen hundred people, I would say you need to stay off of the drugs. No, it's 15, but it's 1500 people in a week. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's not 50. It's, it's much bigger numbers if you go like month and year, but here's but, the, but let me finish my point. So congratulations to all the people who were at the beginning of this podcast. You get to look at all these new people and you get to kind of be the ombudsman. You get to say, Hey, have you looked, listened to this podcast? Have you heard this segment? These are the things that they will rely on you for. So when one day we have our huge Deb and Kev tour. Yeah. And oh, we go, tour. it's mm-hmm. international, yeah, it's 100 yeah, cities. Tour, yeah. Obviously, we're being paid gajillions of dollars yeah, to do it. Yeah. You get to sit front row and say, I remember when. And that's the best thing you can do as a fan. 100%. But you know what makes me fun, what makes me laugh? What makes you laugh? So these were some of the notes that I saw this week. And all of it cracks me up. There's not a right or wrong. I don't know what the answer is. Oh, I'm sure there's a right. But we do a lot that's wrong. So one person said, hey, I went for a walk this morning, and I listened to your podcast. And it ruined everything. Podcast number one. Wow. 
So that person started at number one. That person was walking in Austin, Texas. The second person that I heard say something was- Walking in Austin. I was on a plane listening to your podcast, yeah. and we were talking about the Joggling Juggling Guinness. Joggling Juggling Guinness? Guinness Records. Oh, Guinness sure. Records. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what number that was, but it wasn't number Same. one. Yeah. Oh, definitely not. Then somebody said, like, I cracked up. I listened 45 minutes to you two talk about bath towels, and I was laughing the whole time. I mean, I don't know that we talked about <laughs> bath towels for 45 minutes, but it certainly felt like 45 minutes, <laughs> I'm sure. It certainly did. So I realized that, and I would love to know the thought behind it. Like, people are picking random places oh, yeah, to great. talk about, I mean, to listen, which is like, what's the rhyme and reason? Are they picking subject matter? If I was to tell anybody the episodes to concentrate on, it would be the first like three or four episodes that had used it in a sentence. Those were lightning in a bottle. Those were fantastic. Because you could make so much fun of me. Totally. I would also pick any episode, and you can see it in the episode description, any episode that lists Bjorn <laughs> in the description. This is me giving the spark notes to the new listeners. Okay. It would go, use this, it in oh, a yeah, sentence, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bjorn. Bjorn. And then there's a saga with Deb and Deb's life that I think all people should listen to because I think it gives a better understanding of you, which then gives a better understanding of me, which then gives a better understanding of why we're still doing this podcast. So the Bjorn thing, like just, and start at one, don't go mid Bjorn. No, you got to find the very first Bjorn episode. And then just skip to other Bjorns. Yes. Okay. Now the one that is about me, I know those. It's 37. Wow. 47, and 57. Wow. Somehow we ended up with 10 in between. I don't know how. But if you want to listen to that in order, it would be 37, 47, 57, like right in a row. And 57 has a special guest. Our first and only special guest. It's our only guest we ever had. That's right. So again, welcome to all of the new listeners, to all of our ride or dies. We love you as much as we ever have. We're we're not loving the new people more than you. We're loving them as much. Mm. We're loving them a little more than you. Mm. It's not that our love for you has grown old. It's just that it's tendered. They're new, though. And sometimes the new thing is shiny. <laughs> and we just want to we just want to look at it. We're going to hear about this tomorrow morning for You're sure. You're going to hear about it for <laughs> sure. So again, as our number one tenant appreciation, we sit here with absolute gratitude and thanks. And we cannot, we cannot emphasize enough how meaningful it is to see those numbers because this is something we just do because it's a good time. And the fact that it resonates with anybody on any level. I don't even know what that means. Maybe that means there's hope for humanity still. Uh, wouldn't that be great? Sure would be. Speaking of humanity, there are moments in Deb and I's dynamic where I assume the mantle of my mother, meaning I get to experience things as the quote unquote adult <laughs> that I had to experience as the child, right? And that mm-hmm. happened this week. So let me set the table. I got a haircut. Please compliment my haircut. Oh, I told you when you walked in the house, your hair looks great. Thank you. You never think I need a haircut. And then I you never see me you get a haircut and you're like, oh man, he really does need a haircut. You cut your hair. Like when most people would cut their hair, the, you know, like the people close around them would go, mm, looking a little shaggy there. Yeah. You cut your hair way before anybody has the chance to say that. You're damn right I do. How, how often do you go get, get your hair cut? Every three weeks. No, whether you need it or not. I always need it. Well, there you go. I'm going to get my haircut. I pull into the parking lot of my stylist and it's later in the day. So do I think she's going to be on time? Absolutely not. 
But as I pull in, I get a text from her and it says, hey, I'm running about 20 minutes late. Now, I'm not out of the car. I don't even have my mask on. I don't even have the car off. So I say, no worries, text back, said I'm gonna go get some gas. Now we could absolutely railroad this part of the podcast by talking about gas prices, but our gas prices aren't horrible yet. They're bad, but they're not horrible yet. So I think to myself, before the sanctions of Russia come down, let me go fill my tank because it's only about a five minute drive away. And I know that I have time to kill. So I do 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 scoot on through the neighborhood and I pull up to the Sam's club gas station. Mm -hmm. A lot of people there. Surprisingly, there's an entire lane open that nobody seems to want to use. They're just happy waiting in line. I pull up, turn the car off, get out, start thumbing through my wallet mm. to find my Sam's Club card. Yep. Now, here's the thing. My Sam's Club card is right next to my Costco card, yep. which is behind my ID and my global entry card. That's a good place for it, too. I only have so many spots for so cards. Spots. I think I only have a total of eight cards in my wallet. I'm thumbing through and I pull out what should be my Sam's Club card. It should be directly behind the black Costco card. Right. In front of the? Deb, what do I pull out? Nothing. <laughs> no, Deb, I do pull out something. I oh. pull out a DC Metro card. Oh, well, yeah, that shouldn't be there. In my brain, I'm thinking to myself, why in God's name do I live in Reno, Nevada and is a DC Metro card directly behind the Costco card where the Sam's Club card should be. Did you think for a minute that you left your Sam's Club card on the DC Metro? I thought that, but then I realized that would have been back in October. That's a long and time I've for it to be there. the Sam's Club card mm. since then. So then I start thinking, is this an elaborate joke? Oh. Am I being mm -hmm. gaslit mm -hmm. by who? I don't know. But that's a, immediately where my brain but goes. That's probably a possibility for sure. Gaslighting. A very cool thing amongst the youths. And Lord knows I'm a youthful cool guy, yeah. right? So I start just pulling out all the cards. Now, fortunately, there's like no traffic stacking up behind me. Everybody is content in their gas lines. Yeah. But I pull out my credit cards. I yeah. pull out my debit cards. I pull out the Costco cards. I pull out my IDs. There's even kind of pockets inside my wallet. I pull mm. out it's a top golf card. There's some there's some insurance oh, cards yeah, the in stuff there. Stuff you never use. There is no freaking Sam's Club card, mm. anywhere. Now, I have enough gas. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. I've killed enough time. Yeah, go I get go back, haircut. I get my haircut. I walk into the house and mm. I look at you and I say, mm. Deb, the weirdest thing happened. Right before that, I said, hey, honey, your hair looks great. She did. Yeah. She tried to gaslight <laughs> me. And I look at you and I said, the most bizarre thing, where my Sam's Club card should be is a DC Metro yeah. card, to which Deb says, I, I might have your Sam's Club card. Might have it. I probably do. Do you know how many times I got in trouble growing up not returning things like that to you? Okay, do you see this little tiny pile the here? The amount of phone calls I have received. <laughs> Kevin, do you have my debit card? Oh, no. Thankfully, I had my other card, but in the future, can you please... Give me back my thing so that I don't have mm -hmm. to do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've had that call maybe three times in my life. Or 10 or 12. To have the shoe on the other yeah. foot, yeah. to understand that I'm the wronged party. 
Oh, I'm the yeah. gaslit party. I'm the one sitting mm-hmm. at Sam's Club mm-hmm. hoping that the price doesn't increase by the next time I go there, only for Deb to be like, huh, I still got your Sam's Club card. Yeah, karma is a... Karma? Yeah. I've atoned for all of mine. When did you atone? By apologizing oh. and giving you your stuff back. Yeah, okay. So see this little tiny pile here? Tiny pile? By your, the way, your desk was clean. Your card is in there. I will find it tonight. I will return it to you. My card is in that? What do you mean? It's Why in, is it in that stack of everything? Um, that is too much stuff for somebody's individual possession to be in. I know that it's in there, though. I don't like... I feel bad for my card that he's in that thing. Well, I know your card likes to be snuggled right up to Costco. He does. Yeah. I'm very sad that I made a uh, Sam's Club run and hey, I let, didn't have a card. Let me ask you something. Okay. How did it feel being an adult? Being a parent, being an adult there. Well, I can tell you this. I've never wanted to be a parent, <laughs> and you begrudgingly made me a parent. And mm. there's been a couple things that we've talked about on this podcast that felt very parental. So understand that in those teachable moments, yeah. I don't like them. Mm. I just want my routine. I want my independence. And you you ruined that yesterday. Said every woman that ever gave birth. That's true. But then again, that was your choice, <laughs> not mine. Did you apologize to me yet? Uh, yeah, I said sorry yet last night. I said I was sorry. Sorry I get, for what? I get for t- for not returning your Sam's Club. Thank card. you. <laughs> Jeez. Um. By the way, uh, side note. Again, for all those people who are new to this, the last season of Survivor we recapped. We're never recapping another it's season on. of Survivor. It's on. I just found that out today. I found that out. Well, one of our listeners, Elena, told me. Sent it to me right away. I had no earthly idea that the new season of Survivor was starting tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday. I had no earthly idea. Are we going to watch it? Absolutely. We are just not going to recap it. The new versions of Survivor is too weird. There's too many different avenues. There's too many catches. There's too many tricks. There's too many spins. There's too many zigs. There's too many zags. It's impossible to try to verbally convey. Here's what I am going to say, though. Okay. We do reserve the right to talk about it if we feel like we'll it. We'll talk about it if something big happens, but we're yeah. not going to recap it. No. I mean, listen, listen. we are, for listen. all the recappers of the Great British Baking Show, yeah. we are here for that, for sure. That's an easy show. That's an easy show. It's we love it. It's an easy show to recap because nobody is plotting and double plotting and backstabbing and front stabbing. And then Jeff Probst isn't giving us some new wrinkle and that causes total chaos. And the editing is bad and the producers get in the middle of it. Yes. Yeah. That we, doesn't happen on the Great We British will Baker not show. be discussing Survivor unless something monumental happens. And the other thing is it's just in Fiji again. Oh. Pfft. I think the next yeah. three the next three seasons are all in Fiji with an abridged cast, with a shortened timeline. I didn't like that scenario. Not even worth yeah. it. No, no. So if we want to chat about it sometime, we will. If we don't chat about it for three weeks, don't worry. I want to get back to gas, though. Are you terrified with gas? Here's the thing. Every time gas has gone up like this, you know, it doesn't normally go back down. So... Well, it's not. It always goes back down. Oh, it doesn't go back down to back down, back down. I have seen $4 gas prices before in my lifetime. I know, but it doesn't normally go back down, back down, back down. Now, are you putting your boomer hat on and thinking I'm the gas saying, should be 67 listen, cents again? No, I can remember paying a quarter for a gallon of gas. But is that okay. what you're inferring? No, I'm inferring? not thinking. If gas would even hover in at 2 or $3, I'd be happy. It was at 2 or $3 three months ago. $2. 
Not not in, not in the state we live in. It's, it wasn't too for bad. sure not. But I mean, it was like I would say sixty ninety days ago. It was like three twenty five. Here's the thing, I will, and I mean this sincerely. If you don't mean it sincerely, don't say it. If I if this is my contribution to Ukraine, I will pay it. I well, don't care. Here's the myth. This has nothing to do with Ukraine. I know that is the myth, but if it is just because of that, I mean, if it were just because of that, I will happily pay it. But it is because of a thousand other reasons too, right? I mean, yeah. it can't. I mean, obviously, it went up yesterday when he announced, right? Well, of course, that's the market, right? right but one percent right. of our oil that is brought into this country is from Russia, and half of that isn't even refined. So, a half of a percent of gas being brought to the United States is in no way going to spike our gas. Totals. I mean, our deal is really with Saudi Arabia. That's who our deal is For with. Sure. Okay. But then I stop and think, I don't know if anybody else thinks like this. Dude, you can get conspiracy theory with this really oh, can fast. I? Okay. So here's where I want to go. So I don't know who the head king, king, the guy who killed people in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Okay. The guy who killed, had the journalists killed. Yeah, don't okay? like him. Do I think that that guy has a direct line to Vladimir Putin and back and forth? Yes. Go off. Do I think that Vladimir called and said, Hey King, you know what would really help me out mm-hmm. is if you just didn't make much more oil available mm-hmm. so that we could spike the price and it could affect the United States. I need some help here behind the scenes. Yep. Like that is so believable to me yep. that that could happen. Does that have anything to do with Joe Biden? I don't think so. I think it is a Russia United States. It's just a country thing, yeah. right? It's not a political thing that reigns on a particular president. It could happen with whoever is in office. It's a it's a geopolitical strategy, right? Correct. Putin, who has ties to Saudi Arabia, right. on a back channel could have said, we got some stuff cooking yeah. over here, and yeah. what we need to do is make it uncomfortable for the United States exactly. and I the mean, European countries. Is it reasonable that Putin would have called, I don't know, um, somebody, whoever the guy is in Venezuela, and asked him to do it? Yep. Is it reasonable that Putin would have called the guy in India, Modine or whatever his name is, and asked him to do it? Could it be any assortment of those, that round robin? Yes. So there are a lot of things at play here with all of this. Maduro. Maduro, thank you. There are a lot of things that are at play here. Do I pretend to know which one they are? Nope. Do I have a conspiracy theory about all of them? Yep. But nonetheless, if this helps the people of Ukraine in any way, shape, or form, even to the tune of 1%, I'm okay paying these prices. Yeah. I mean, also, I think the thing that we should um, tell everybody is we get paid millions of dollars to do this podcast. (laughs) Right. So we're not remotely worried about our gas prices. We have the number one podcast in the world. And because we have the number one podcast in the world, we have a war chest of a bank account. So if you guys need help from us, just hit us up. Just do some Venmo requests. Well, That and, no, don't do the Venmo request because last night we went to Costco and what would normally cost $350, which by the way, was only in one basket. True. Cost how much, Kevin? Almost $500. Almost $500. And now we're into the dinner tenant of our podcast. Now the salami that we buy in one week went up five bucks. Deb was not happy about the salami. I normally buy the organic ground beef, but I was so angry about the prices going up. Mm -hmm. 
I bought regular ground beef. I brought it home in that giant package and I put it in little one pound quart things myself yeah. because I'm on protest about the prices and inflation. We're not happy about it. Usually, usually with inflation, it's the prices that don't go down with like food. And so that's probably the more alarming thing is these prices are only going up. And are we ever actually going to see them go down in a meaningful way? That's what's kind of scary. It is scary. Yeah. No, the, the gas thing. What, what is your take on the gas thing? Oh, I can definitely put my tinfoil hat on and think this is all part of some big strategy. Like that, that is not a stretch for me at all. I'm a big conspiracy theory guy. Um, so I would be curious to see whenever, whenever this thing in Ukraine ends, however it's going to end, I'll be curious to see if gas prices plummet. I also think, um, so much is tied to the stock market right now Right, for sure. that the stock market in the United States can't afford for it to free fall. Right. But things out of our control, like what's happening over in Ukraine directly affect the stock market. So is Vladimir Putin and are the Saudis actively working against the best interests of the United States to make sure that our focus is only at home and has no involvement in what's happening over in the Ukraine? Is that Are those hard dots to connect? No, that you can connect all those. Listen, I am Mel Gibson all day in conspiracy theory. In Braveheart? No, conspiracy theory. During his racist rant with uh, a female officer? No, conspiracy okay. theory. Thank you for okay. clearing that up. With Julia Roberts. Yeah. I can be Mel all day long. So none of this is hard for me to do. Don't be Mel. I'm not, I'm not going to be Mel, but I could be Mel. Only in that movie. Only in that movie. Only in that movie. So for those of the, the people that don't know, the people do know that have listened um, for a long time. We call them the real ones. <laughs> Kevin has his grandmother's 1995 Ford Taurus. I do. He bought it for a dollar from her when she decided at the age of 95 that she shouldn't drive anymore. And that was a deal at twice the price. The car was in truly brand new condition. Oh, I yeah. think at the time it had 35,000 miles, leather interior, nice little Ford Taurus. What Kevin does, it's covered up. Kevin will never get rid of it. He loves it. Um, but I might take my car and put the Ford Taurus cover on it and start driving grandma's car Yeah, just because it takes regular gas. Yeah, you and your fancy, bougie car <laughs> that takes that, that premium gas is not great it's right not now. It's not great right that, now. That, that 30 say cent it. savings is oh, looking pretty good. Yeah. Thanks, Grandma. Thanks, Grandma. Thanks for the Taurus. Yep. It's charged and everything. Yep. Might as well get into what's happening over in the Ukraine. Yeah. And I think we should preface it with this. It's horrible. It's gut-wrenching. I hate it. You and I got to live in a little bit of a bubble last week because we were so busy. We were only seeing headlines and we were seeing clips. We didn't have we didn't actually ever get to sit down and view in totality what was happening over there. And even in those clips and those headlines, it was gut-wrenching. We've been home now for a couple of days, and we've been able to sit with the news for an hour or two. It is the worst display of humanity that we as citizens of this earth do, which is wage war against each other. Seeing the images of the elderly having to be taken out of their home, it's going to get me. And kids walking by themselves, crying, and nobody being able to help them because they have to take care of their own immediate families and needs. It's awful. It hurts on a cellular level. And it's in those moments where I have to take myself up 30,000 feet 
and ask the question, why? Why is this happening? Why do we as human beings inflict this type of pain on one another? And then why do we sit here and do nothing, right? Because th- there's not much that we can yeah. do. I, I, I got mean, We got home on Saturday and on Sunday, I was looking up flights to Warsaw, which you can get some pretty cheap flights to Warsaw from Reno, Nevada. By the way, I said, Kevin, before you book that ticket, let's have a chat. Because my initial thought was, what are we doing sitting sitting here in Reno, Nevada? Like, what are we doing watching this catastrophe play out in front of us? The only thing, the literal only thing that has stopped me from buying a plane ticket is I don't know what I would do once I got there. Poland is capable of bringing these people in and offering them aid. Poland is not under attack. Enough people are finding their way to Warsaw, to the airport, to get out to wherever family or safe haven exists. I'm clearly not going to cross the Polish-Ukrainian border to go into a war-torn country to help out not speaking the language and not having any discernible idea what I'm doing. But the pull in me was to go do something, to not sit here and just watch these horrific scenes play out in real time. And the other thing is, I happen to be part Ukrainian, right? I'm 20% Ukrainian. My grandmother came over from the Ukraine. In a parallel multiverse, that could be me. That could be me in a jacket with a backpack waiting in mass hysteria to get on a train to hopefully find somewhere safe. Actually, you wouldn't get on the train. You would have had to stay behind and fought. Exactly. Even worse, I would have had to take up arms having no idea why I was taking up arms, right? So when stuff like that happens, and this is probably the 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 tutelage that i have from you is it, we can't sit in that moment and be sad and horrified and just let that wash over us that's not a good place to be that's not a good place for deb and i to be we need to be somewhat proactive and again short of flying over there and helping in some regard the best thing i can do is educate myself on why this horrific scene is playing out between russia and the ukraine you shared a phenomenal video. It was very educational. It's eight minutes. I'll pull it up here. I'll give people um, the name of the YouTube channel to figure it out so you can go watch it afterwards. But what it did was it brought us all the way back to 1949 because that was when NATO started. Now, well, it took us back actually way before then even. Well, well yeah. sure. It took us, yeah. I mean, it took us back to the World War II, but it took us back to 1949 because that is when NATO was first founded. And NATO, of course, stands for North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And NATO was founded with these beliefs. NATO has its own tenets too, okay? The alliance creation was part of a broader effort to serve three purposes. And I think we would all agree with these purposes. Deterring Soviet expansion, because after World War II, Russia was taking all of their neighbors and their neighbors' neighbors and putting that red curtain over them, calling it the USSR. They were forbidding the revival of nationalist militarism, which means no more Nazis. Mm -hmm. And for those, again, who are new to this podcast, this podcast is a staunch, (laughs) a staunch anti-Nazi podcast. We're opposed to the Nazis for sure. No Nazis here. We don't welcome them. I don't care how many dollars you try to spend to 
advertise on this podcast. We're not taking your Nazi doubloons, okay? And through a strong North American presence on the continent, encourage European political integration. Essentially what NATO was doing was saying, if and when another war breaks out, we're all some ride or die homies. Right. We are going to be in this together so that if something like Germany happens and some individual who has plans of taking over the world rears his head again, we all made a blood oath. We're all doing this together. And here are the first 12 founding members. Belgium, Canada, Denmark, France, Iceland, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, the United Kingdom, and lastly, the United States. Right? So all of these people said, World War II, not great. Not a fun time for anybody. Was not as lit as social media would have you think. The best way to deter that is for all of us to be on somewhat friendly grounds with one another and to make this pact that no matter what happens, if one of us is attacked, then we're all attacked and we got each other's backs. Moving forward in 1952, they added Greece and Turkey in 1955. They added West Germany. 82, they added Spain, Czech Republic, Hungary, and Poland in 99, Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, and, and Slovenia in 2004. Albania, Croatia in 2009, Montenegro in 2017, and North Macedonia in 2020. Now, if you have a a map in your head, since 1999, a lot of those countries are former USSR Eastern Bloc countries. So they kind of went from being the USSR to then being a little bit independent. Yep. Then we just referred to them as, in general, Eastern Europe. Yep. Not part of the EU in many cases, right? Yep. But they exist in our minds as part of Europe, not as part of Russia. Absolutely. Okay. And so then when the when NATO was founded, Russia, knowing that this was in stark relation to them, said We need the Warsaw Pact. We need to start our own pact. And what did they do? They got together the Soviet Union, Albania, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Bulgaria, Romania. And East Germany. And they said, you guys got your crew. We got our crew. If push comes to shove, we're going to dance battle this thing out. Yeah. Right? Yep. Now, what happened in the early 90s? In the early 90s. They they performed West Side Story. They they came out sharks first rockets. Is that right? Yeah. A lot of snapping. Mm-hmm. A lot of snapping. A lot of snapping. Yeah. A lot of knife play. Yeah. Might have been over a girl. Threats. Who knows? Who knows? Threats galore. Beautiful choreography, though. For Gorgeous sure. Gorgeous choreography. For sure. I and mean, the background mm, music? Oh, fantastic. my God. Fantastic. Yeah. 1990, George Bush Sr. says- That would be George H. George H. Bush Rip says, we need Germany. All mm. of Germany. Yeah. We have West Germany. Yeah. The wall is coming down. We want East, East Germany. Germany. We want the new unified Germany. And Russia says- Nah, dog. Those are our people. Yeah, we want them. And George H. Bush then says, "If you give us East Germany and West Germany, and now Germany, we promise you, NATO will not expand any further than right now." And Russia looks at NATO and George H. Bush and says, mm, 
reluctantly, okay, but as long as NATO doesn't creep into our countries and close and, and close our borders, we're Gucci. Because they don't want just a border. Nope. They want a border of countries yep. in between. They want space. They want space. They want to Dixie Chicks wide open right. spaces. And if there's one thing we know about Russia, they do well in the shadows. Right. And if you're on their border looking over the fence saying, what you doing, Vladdy? They don't like it. They that. don't like it. So they dissolved the Warsaw Pact, which freed up East Germany, West Germany to form Germany to come on over to NATO. Now, as I just said, we saw a lot of other countries. Then, then old Romania jumped sides. The friggin' Romanians <laughs> who produce a bunch of gymnasts started yep. using the pommel horse, and they jumped right on through those open doors of NATO, and that was the problem. As, and that's the issue that Russia is saying today. You made us a promise 30 years ago. We broke up our group. We broke up the band, okay? The Warsaw Pact boy band is no more. We let everybody get their own individual careers going with the promise that you weren't going to take any of them in your new supergroup. You weren't going to be the Avengers recruiting new people. But NATO just said, hey, whoever wants to be a part of this, y'all, come be a part of this cool hip happening thing. And as I just mentioned, a lot of these countries, especially former Soviet Union countries, started to become a part of NATO. And then, probably the feather in the cap of Russia as it relates to the argument as to why they're doing what they're doing, NATO started recruiting or, you know, suggesting. A little solicitation, if you will. That the Ukraine come on board and be the 31st member of NATO. And that is pretty much when all hell broke loose. If you can, you can go online and you can find old speeches dating back to like 2007 where Vladimir Putin says, this is not okay. Like yeah. we view this as aggression. You are marching closer and closer and closer to our country to the point that you want to have NATO countries who border us. Because what happens if you're a NATO country? Canada gets to come over. The United States gets to come over. Spain gets to come over. Our military presence gets to go to those NATO countries. And if you're Russia and it looks like you're about to be flanked because other countries like Sweden are also being offered a spot in NATO, you start feeling like that tether is getting a little tighter on the you. squeeze. You know, the hard thing here, here's the part that's not calculated into it. Okay. Because, and I love that you brought this whole thing up. I mean, a friend of mine from London sent me that. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it speaks to, listen, I want to say carte blanche, what is going on over there is not okay. Totally unacceptable. For whatever reason yep. and for whatever history has dictated. But I do think it's really important to understand the history. Because guess what? It's the whole pancake thing. There's two sides to every story. Well, right? and time is a flat circle. What happened before will happen again. And if you don't pay attention to their side, if you will, of the story, yep. right, then you're not being mindful, you know, of, how, of how things really are. So. One of the things that all of this never took into consideration was, okay, I'm not part of USSR anymore. I'm myself, whoever yeah. I am. Maybe I'm not part of Europe. I certainly don't identify with the United States and Canada, per se. For sure not. But, you know, I'm my own thing. But at some level, and even some of these countries still technically have dictators, not presidents, yeah. right? But what you see is that in some form, democracy took a foothold, 
And that changed everything because it was the idea then of free will, like we can decide for ourselves. So NATO may have made this agreement. George W. Bush or George H. Bush may have made this agreement, but does the Ukraine have to sit in the agreement? Do you see what I mean? Of George Bush from what, 30 years ago now? Mm -hmm. That ends up being the problem because it's not the same Ukraine. I mean, it's a different Ukraine today. It doesn't have the same values. It doesn't have the same beliefs. It doesn't, it's not the same. The culture has changed as well. Right. When that Warsaw Pact broke up, was when Ukraine declared their independence in 1991. So clearly that country was yearning for freedom. And Russia begrudgingly gave them their freedom, understanding or believing that that Russia still had monster amounts of control. And now listen, Ukraine isn't perfect. There is a Western faction of Ukraine, and there is an Eastern faction of Ukraine. The Eastern faction, which is closer to Russia, a lot of those people still believe that they should be a part of Russia. They right. speak Russian, they relate to the Russian traditions, the culture, and they a lot of them think of themselves as Russian. The Western part is a little more democratic, is a little more Western. They have different beliefs than those who are closer to Russia. So Ukraine itself... I don't know that it's split, but there are still a ton of people who call themselves Ukrainians who identify more as Russians than they do as Ukrainians. So depending on who you ask, some people are all for this. I mean, you watch certain cities just put up their arms and say, hey, welcome aboard. Like, we love to have you over here, Vlad. And then there's a bunch of other people who are like, I'm just trying to go to my nine to five here. What, right. what, what is this war all about? Right. So, you know, the thing, I I think the thing, and I mean, I don't think this stuff can be discounted because promises were made, right? Sure. And people have long memories, right? Sometimes those promises are easily forgotten and nothing bad happens. And sometimes they're not. And this is a case where they're not, right? And they're not. But also evolution has taken place. Totally. And nobody should be able to tell a sovereign nation what it can do, and what it can't. So we have to be mindful. We, meaning the whole world, I mean, we have to be mindful of these agreements we make and how they're going to, uh, I'm going to say, how they're going to translate into the future. Yeah. I mean, because now to say, I mean, one of the things he wants is for everybody to agree that the Ukraine can never be part of NATO. Right. Never, ever. Like, never? Like, never is a really long time, right? right? And I think today... We all see that as like, that is so unfair to say, but yet he thinks he already made that deal, which he did, honestly, a well, long time ago. I mean, ago. Gorbachev did, right? Well, Gorbachev, Gorbachev did, yeah. made that deal, and his belief was when we broke up, this was in perpetuity. This was something that was going to last forever. We do not need Western forces, even during peacetime, on our border. And again, I want to reiterate, at no point do we think it's okay to bomb a sovereign country, to kill its citizens, and to, through strength and a show of war, take it over, even if you think it's yours, even if you think you're liberating the country back to its rightful place. Never okay, under no circumstance. Yeah. We're anti-war as it relates to that. But when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, you at least see their reasoning for it, their rationale for it, which is, we never wanted anybody here. Right. We never wanted anybody this close. We gave you all of these other countries that were still very much in our backyard, and we didn't say much about it. We maybe threatened a little bit, but we didn't act on it. 
And now you're trying to put somebody at our fence and we're not okay with you putting somebody at our fence. Not an excuse, terrible reason to kill somebody. That's their thinking. That's their thinking for sure. And uh, I mean, again, I want to say, you know, it's it, it's sort of like, you know what it feels like. It feels like somebody on a on a level, like a neighborhood kind of level, taking the law into their own hands. Sure. That's what it feels like. It's like, we understand you've been wronged. We understand you're angry, but you can't take the law into your own hands. Totally. Right? I mean, then we can't get behind you anymore. And honestly, I don't know how he's, even if he wins Ukraine, even if somehow he gets a stranglehold on it, I don't know how he survives this. I mean, it looks like there are so many war crimes already. What do you mean you don't know how he survives this? I mean, him personally. Define survive. I mean, like political career? He's entrenched. He's never going anywhere. I'm not saying that he isn't going to be technically in charge of Russia, but I mean, he has been welcomed into the world in a big way in the last 20 years. I mean, he's been welcomed. I mean, he has been... He's been all over Europe. He's been in every meeting. He's, you know, he is there. He is a presence. He's taken pictures with presidents and prime ministers. And I mean, he is out. I mean, that those doors will be shut. I mean, you've got to believe he'll be a pariah of sorts. They're, they're definitely not going to want him at the G7 summit. I can tell they're you that. They're not going to want him at the G7 summit. And there's a lot of other places they're not going to want him. I think what's really interesting and 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 there is some some education that comes with this that that sheds a better light on it is you know when you see one country invading the other you just assume oh this is going to be the impetus for world war 3 right yes but only if other things are triggered meaning nobody's touching ukraine right now because if they if they side with ukraine then they're taking a side right they are saying the united states germany france whoever is saying We're supporting the Ukraine, which then triggers the allies of Russia to come in. And who's the big bad guy in the shadows? China, with their 3.1 million soldiers ready to help out in any way, right? So all of us are sitting here kind of being like, what do we do? How do we help? As a country, we can't. We kind of have to back channel everything. Yeah. We we don't get, I mean, we get to denounce it publicly. We get to put on sanctions. We get to try to tighten the Russian economic belt as tight as humanly possible until they can't breathe. And that's being seen with Russian uh, oil. That's being seen with um, United States uh, industries or United States companies like McDonald's are shuttering. shutting down yeah. operations. Well, and their their dollar, or ruble, whatever it's called, is dropping like crazy. You're, you're seeing their oligarchs getting yachts seized and planes seized. And, and when when people who love to be clandestine, who don't want any spotlight, start having spotlight shown on them, that's when they start turning back to Vladimir and being like, hey, man, like life is cool when nobody knows who we are and what we're doing. And now everybody knows who we are and what we're doing, and that's not okay. Like there are some of those guys that definitely – don't want to be a household name. No, of course not. So that's why we're seeing all of these economic strategies. And that's why we're seeing like us donating um, planes to Poland that Poland can then, you know, bring on to the Ukraine. uh, Unfortunately, somebody said something about Nagal got out. Yeah. But it's stuff like that because the second another country gets involved, the second 
another country gets involved, you have now fed into his ultimate plan, yeah. which is full-scale war. Yeah. And, and this is the other thing that I, I, I really, really caution people against doing. Do not say he's crazy. When you call somebody crazy, you undermine what they're actually trying to do. And this is calculated. This is thought out. He might not be getting the results he thought he would get, but every single thing he has done up to this point are not the actions of a crazy person. They are the actions of somebody who grew up in the KGB, who grew up in the Kremlin, and who has Russia first, Russia last, and Russia forever. And so when we say things like, oh, he's crazy, he's insane, he's not. He is as smart as anybody who walks this planet. And the scariest thing is he has an entire country and an entire military behind him to do whatever he wants at the snap of his finger. And that's what's terrifying. Well, and the thing, I mean, the thing about him being crazy or not being crazy, I mean, I fully, you know, who knows what he even believes about, you know, the propaganda and what's being told and what's true and what's not. I mean, I suspect that his reality is genuinely skewed from ours, right? I mean, that we, we operate in two different factions. I am smart enough to know that everything that I probably think is right is not all true. True. Right? I mean, we are willing enough, to admit we're wrong. That I've got to li- leave space for that, all the stuff that I believed that wasn't true as well. Yep. And I'm also smart enough to know that there's not just one guy with one white hat here. Do you know what I mean? Of or one guy with one yep. black hat here. You know, that there's a lot of players, you know, especially in the shadows. But I just, you know, the part I think for me that it comes down to, and that I think it comes down to every living, human being that's watching it that has a heart how can you watch because see i've always believed that this could happen here i mean so many americans don't think it could ever happen here, but i've always believed that it could and i mean when we were driving home from costco last night i really had this thought like what if on my street you know rockets hit two or three houses i mean their houses are gone like i mean what do you say to them like even if he pulls out tomorrow what is there to go back to? Right. I mean, their things are gone. What does that look like? You know, I mean, it's just, there's the death. There's the people who will never be the same. I mean, I watched last night, they were taking all these people from um, a nursing home. They couldn't even, these people weren't even cognitively well enough to be able to get them onto buses and sit and just get them. I mean, the people were, they were cold, they were confused, they didn't get it, but they were just, guess what they were? They were all scared to death and not really understanding why. Of course not. And I mean, that is criminal that anybody should have to go through that at that stage of their life, right? I mean, for a maternity hospital that that treats children and mothers to get bombed out today, Like there is just, there's nothing on the planet that makes that okay. That a woman in the middle of giving giving birth is worried about being drugged out of a room while she's in labor so that she doesn't die from the debris of a rocket hitting the hospital. I mean, what is sacred? The thing that's, that's just really difficult to wrap your brain around is you think that somehow in 2022 war would be streamlined. You think that it there, it would just be not effortless. Effortless is not the right word, especially when you're combating somebody else. But you would think like a giant like Russia would be able to tactfully go into Ukraine and seize it, 
fast. But then you start reading all of these different reports of when they're dropping bombs, they're dropping dumb bombs. So there's smart bombs and there's dumb bombs. Smart bombs know exactly where they're going to hit within like a meter, right? Right. Dumb bombs are what people dropped in World War II. You just drop bombs just to bomb something. So when all of these civilian buildings and homes and neighborhoods are getting bombed, they're getting bombed because they're just dropping bombs and hoping to hit something of note, right? And then the other thing is you get these people who didn't assume Russia was going to invade. Then Russia started invading and now all all access points are cut off. So you see these visuals of people trying to get out of a house to take a left turn just to get to a version of safety while incoming fire is happening because the Russian military has no earthly idea if they're civilians or if they're Ukrainian military. So, I mean, journalists have captured families being purposefully or accidentally executed because they they don't know what's happening on these streets. And then you have, I mean, one of the most harrowing things I've seen, there was a car full of journalists who were driving on the Ukrainian road and they got ambushed by a Russian kill squad. They identified themselves as journalists. They had on their orange jerseys. They thankfully also had on Kevlar because two of the journalists took bullets to the chest. They still lived. One of the other, I think there was like five of them, one of the other ones uh, I think took a ricochet, but they filmed the entirety of it. You can hear them screaming that we're journalists, we're journalists. They're screaming in every type of language. And it's mind boggling to think that on top of the Russian military, you also need kill squads whose only job kill everybody. Right. Right. It's, you know, I, I will say it is, and we've talked about this kind of thing before on the podcast where when there is something so horribly devastating that happens in the world, um, you know, we talked about the guys that bombed the Boston, you know, marathon, and, yep. you know, such a horrible, horrible, devastating event. And yet such goodness rose out of that. I mean, you saw beautiful things happen year after year for the people that were injured. I mean, yep. and they spoke to the love and the kindness and the generosity that they would have never known had they not been involved in that particular event. I mean, at the same time, I have to say, I can get go down the rabbit holes of this terrible, terrible news and just bring myself to tears and want to just throw the covers over my head and not get up. But then I have to tell you, the other rabbit holes are the beautiful rabbit holes of goodness. For that, sure. you know, the little 11-year-old boy where the mother had to stay behind with her mother because she was invalid. And literally, she told him which direction to go and wrote a phone number in ink on his hand, gave him his passport and filled a grocery bag with food and told him to start walking. And every person along the way that didn't take advantage of that child, but that helped him get to Slovenia to his family. I mean, people took him in, people gave him food, people kept him warm. I mean, he finally met the prime minister, I think, of defense of Slovenia, who called him a hero and an inspiration to everybody. I mean, Kevin, at 11, I I don't know if you would have made it. I mean- I would have been too tall. They still would have taken shots at me. Seriously. I mean, it's just like, I read that and I go, oh my gosh, that kid's life- is changed forever, hopefully in the most positive way. And he's an inspiration to all of us. I mean, I want to say this, Zelensky, 
I'm telling you from now on, this guy, every president and prime minister of the world should be worried because this guy didn't take off. He has stood his ground and it will remain to be seen what happens to him. But that guy, no matter what happens to him, is going to remain a hero in world history for sure. Comedians can change the world too. Comedians can change the world too. I mean, there are these beautiful, I saw this picture where there was this gaggle of 20-year-old darling girls all in army outfits, and it was International Women's Day, and they were all hugging each other and jumping around. And I'm thinking, those girls should be get dressed to go out dancing tonight. This is not, you know, what they should be wearing and what they should be doing, For sure. right? But those girls- Oh, and by the way, there's a pandemic still happening. Right, well, there, and then there's that. But I mean, I'm telling you, it's like, it is inspiring to see those young women who could have left yep. stay behind and fight for their country. I mean, the Miss- Ukraine, who was in the Miss USA pageant, it showed her the other day, you know, in her fatigues, you know, and she said she's staying behind. So I just want to say, like, this is terrible. This needs to be over. It feels helpless watching. I mean, there is no way. I mean, I think of times in just year in my life where we've seen car accidents and we've slammed on the brakes and we've run to cars to see if people are okay. I mean, our impetus is action. Our impetus is help. And this is so frustrating to be able to sit and do nothing. So what do we do? How do we help? How do I fight back tears? Care.com. If you go to care.com, a pop-up window will appear. It'll say uh, Ukraine emergency. You click that window. That'll direct you to where you can donate funds. They've partnered with people in need. People in need is hoping to reach 4 million people, especially women, girls, and the elderly. Um, Doctors Without Borders, it works in conflict zones, and it's partnering with volunteers in the Ukraine to help people travel to healthcare facilities and working to ensure that people have access to healthcare. Global Giving, a U.S.-based nonprofit crowdfunding platform for grassroots charitable projects, uh, launched its Ukraine crisis. Uh, They have a relief fund page. The International Rescue Committee, um, the IRC is on the, the ground in Poland and working to help displaced families. The Geneva-based International Committee of the Red Cross. The Red Cross itself does not help in matters like this. The Red Cross is more domestic. But the International Committee of the Red Cross provides assistance for victims of armed conflict and has been working in Ukraine since 2014. Uh, You can also help support journalism. There is nothing more important than getting truth on the ground. And that's what the Ukrainian journalists are doing. The Kiev Independent has set up a GoFundMe. You can find it. Uh, it's called The Independent. Uh, they are taking donations via GoFundMe. Uh, and it's and the banner is keep Ukrainians media going. That is as important as, as Putin sanctions all journalism in Russia. Nothing is coming out of Russia that's of note. Everything is coming out of the Ukraine. Help support journalists. Project Hope, an international healthcare organization, So one of the, are you okay, honey? Okay. So uh, one of the other things, and I think like, like this is the kind of thing where you get to give to whatever makes you feel good. So one of the things that I love is uh, World Community Kitchen. Uh, The chef, I think, is Jose. I don't remember his last name. I'll find it. 
but he has been all around the world. He goes to areas of conflicts or anywhere where there's national disasters. They get local chefs, they cook local food, and they feed people, feed people, feed people. Right now, he's like on, I know the borders of Poland, they have kitchens set up, they are feeding people Ukrainian food, I mean, to keep them warm, to keep them going, to nourish them. So what's really important is that you find legitimate charities that speak to your heart. What might be speaking to mine is not what would speak to yours. So everybody should choose the thing. I mean, there are things actually for artists to help artists to keep putting things out to fight against propaganda that's happening. Uh, World uh, Central Kitchen, founded by Jose Andres. They They have their teams on the Ukrainian board and on the Polish side helping people out. As we said, appreciation, Food so it, or dinner, so it only makes sense that Deb would let you know that the best way to feed people is through World Central Kitchen, so that's how you can do it. It's a lot. It kills me, kills me uh, to sit here and do nothing, but sometimes the best thing to do is when your podcast spikes and you know you have new people who are listening to you, to look at them and say, this podcast was based in a mother and son trying to get through a tough time together both locally and globally. And now we have some small platform to be able to look at all of you and say, thank God we're not in war. Thank God we can go to bed every night knowing that we're going to wake up safe in the morning. And if all we can do right now is donate money to all of those people who are risking their lives to help all of those people whose lives are at risk, then that's what we need to do. Um, I encourage everybody to donate. I encourage everybody to keep this thing top of mind. And when push comes to shove and whatever happens, happens, however you can help with the fallout, I encourage you to do that as well. Even if it's only monetarily, even if it's only prayers, even if it's only sending good vibes, we are so fortunate to live in a country that we get to go to bed knowing we are safe, whatever that means to you. And I I would encourage all of you to do whatever you can in your power to help out Ukraine and help out the Ukrainians and help out the people who are helping them. Um, Well said, sweetie. You know, I I think one of the things that's really hard, there's a tendency, I tend to either either overwatch the news or say I can't watch it. (laughs) For sure. There's like no middle ground. But I have said this for years, and I think it was probably said to me at some point, I just think we're so destined to keep making the same mistakes even though there is maybe nothing we can do right now except say a prayer, send a good vibe, write a check. Those are the things we can do right now. But the other thing we can do is not turn our backs. We can bear witness to the atrocities that are happening, and hopefully they will affect us enough so that you know these kinds of things will not happen again. And I think the bearing witness is important. I think it's important to not turn our backs to not pretend like it's not happening and to be as informed as we possibly can be um, and to full throw our support to the people of Ukraine. That having been said, I want to say this. There are a lot of innocent people in Russia as well. For sure. There are people that are trying. I mean, there. I read an article today about flights being full of people just trying to get out, yep. especially young people that have access to other media. Thank you for saying that. Vladimir Putin does not speak for an entire nation. He does not speak for an entire nation. And there are people that have been arrested and are their lives just because they protested, their lives are going to be forever changed, you know, because of that. And then there are people, I saw a guy in the news that is here in the States, his brother is in the Ukraine. 
They called their father in Russia, and their father just simply doesn't believe them. He doesn't believe his own sons that this is happening. Right. And that is just heartbreaking. So I want to say there are innocent people in every faction of this whole thing. I have uh, a couple more charities because uh, these are all children-centric. Save the Children, uh, they work in the hardest-to-reach places uh, where it's tough to be a child. You can donate directly to them. Um, Sunflower of Peace is helping to uh, relocate uh, inter- in internationally de- displaced people. Of course, there's the World Food Program, Voices of Children. Um, they are based in Ukraine, and they help serve the psych- psychological needs of children who are affected by war, no better time than right now. Um, so again, there's it doesn't it's not hard to Google these lists, but uh, I felt this pull to at least explain or say a lot of the a lot of the um, nonprofits that are actively working in or around Ukraine. Make sure before you donate that you know your donation is actually going to go to the Ukraine. Um, a lot of times, you think you're donating to something and it goes somewhere right, entirely right. different. So and that's so, what I, we really want people to. Yeah. Investigate the charity. Whew, made it. You okay? Barely. I know. It's a lot. It's a lot. I'm a millennial. I'm an old millennial. I'm waiting for that moment in life where I can just take a big breath. And by big breath, I mean like three or four years. I just want to enjoy being a human being where it doesn't feel like I'm trapped in a room with fire all around me saying, this is okay. You know, we started this podcast Um we COVID happened in, you know, March of 2020. And, um, I think I took my last plane ride the end of February, uh, two weeks after COVID started, daddy was diagnosed with cancer. And now this is happening. This felt like it felt like Omicron was over and we took a little inhale and boom, this happened. Right. right? And so, but I still want to say this, our leading thing with this podcast is what we're grateful for. And we have a lot to be grateful for. So what I would hope is that everybody out there tonight would count their blessings, say their gratefuls, say them out loud, project them out for the world to hear, and then know that because you have so much, you're able to give and you're able to share. And that's what we would start doing. Couldn't have said it better myself. Anything else, Deborah? No. Baby, I love you. I love you too. That's going to do it for this Thursday episode of the Deb and Kev podcast. Remember to like, rate, and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And you can follow us on all of our social channels at Deb and Kev pod. No act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. Mom, I love you to death. Love you, baby. We'll see you guys on Monday. Thank you for listening to the Deb and Kev podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Follow Deb and Kev on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter at Deb and Kev Pod.